This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 626. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 626. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Happy Monday, friends. Today's a special Monday episode, not a typical Monday episode. Typically, Mondays are just me, and today I have a guest, and this is not an interview as much as it is a conversation, but it's a conversation that I have been wanting to share because it's around an event that happened recently. I was on the Dr. Phil show, if you didn't know. That happened back in January. We recorded that in August. And I got to do that because of my dear friend, Laura Cathcart Robbins. And I wanted to talk about this during Black History Month because I think that we're in this moment where we are in the conversation already. And Laura and I went on the Dr. Phil show to talk about critical race theory. So why not talk about critical race theory in Black History Month? It's pretty timely. So this all started back in August of 2021 when I got a text from Laura. I got this text actually while I was just about to wrap up my Monday call with our members inside Momentum Mamas. And the text said this, Sarah, I know this is crazy, but I'm going on the Dr. Phil show on Wednesday to talk about CRT. And they've asked me if I know of any white moms who might be willing to speak as an ally. And I thought of you, would this be something you would consider? So I thought about this for a solid 30 seconds, immediately felt like I might vomit. And then I said, yes. And the next day I flew to LA to record the show. It was a massive whirlwind around a huge topic. Should critical race theory be taught in schools? So I asked Laura if she would come on the show for her third time. It's her third time here on the Shameless Mom Academy to have a conversation around our experience on the show, what it was like to just record a talk show, and then also around the conversation we had on the show around critical race theory in America. If you're not familiar with Laura, let me tell you a little bit about her because she is such a phenomenal woman. She's the host of the popular podcast, The Only One in the Room, which you must subscribe to. She's also the author of the forthcoming Atria Simon & Schuster memoir, Stash, due out in the spring of 2023, and I'm dying to read every word. She's been active for many years as a speaker and school trustee and is credited for creating the Buckley School's nationally recognized Committee on Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice. Her recent articles in HuffPo and The Temper on the subjects of race, recovery, and divorce have garnered her worldwide acclaim. 
She is an LA Moth Story Slam winner and currently sits on the advisory boards of the San Diego Writers Festival and the Outliers HQ Podcast Festival. In this conversation, Laura and I dig into why each of us said yes to appearing on Dr. Phil, some of the behind the scenes surprises while taping the show, what critical race theory actually is, our takeaways from the conversation that we had with six other guests on the show, all of whom had very strong opinions and some were very opposed to our opinions, what the media is actually talking about when they talk about critical race theory in schools, Steve Bannon's involvement in creating an intentionally divisive conversation for conservatives to more easily pave the road to the White House. I did not know this until Laura shared this with me today, and it was fascinating. And this is something that relates to critical race theory, but it actually relates to some other things as well. And I thought this was like a huge aha light bulb moment. Then we talk about what's actually being taught in school that's being misrepresented as critical race theory. And we talk about why age-appropriate race education is crucial in schools. So we dig into all sorts of things. We have a few good laughs in here and we dig into some really heavy, big things as well. So I think you're gonna enjoy this conversation. I think you're going to enjoy learning what it was like to be on a talk show, but also listen in and hear kind of what we learned from listening to so many different opinions and some of the interesting things that we found where there was overlaps in opinions and overlaps in beliefs in people that we thought we would be really opposed to when it kind of came to what they thought on paper. I think you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. I think you're going to have some good takeaways and you might want to listen more than once. So with all that said, please welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy, my friend, Laura Cathcart Robbins. Laura, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here again for the third time too. I, I love your show so much. You know, I love you. You know how I feel about you. I, you can't keep me away. Oh my gosh. The feeling is so mutual. Anytime I think either of us can think of a reason to have a conversation, we're like, like, this is a good excuse to have a conversation. Let's do it. Absolutely. (laughs) So today we're going to do a little bit of a different kind of conversation. Typically when I have guests and when I've had you in the past, it's me interviewing you and you showcasing your brilliance in all these different ways. But today we're going to talk about our experience going on the Dr. Phil show together, yes, <laughs> which was a wild experience. And so we'll dig into how that all came to be, which was all started with you. And then we're going to talk through some questions that we set up in advance, but we did not compare answers in advance. So we don't know what the no. other person is going to say, which will make <laughs> it really fun. I mean, I have some ideas about how you might answer some of it, but I really, we didn't really download together afterwards. No, no. I like had to go immediately to the airport. Yeah. (laughs) So I went to the airport. Your dad was there who I want your dad to adopt me. He is the (laughs) nicest guy. So you went off with your dad. I went to the airport and and then we just waited for months for the show to go live. Oh my goodness. It spanned (laughs) two years. (laughs) Really, They told us it'd be like two to four weeks and it was like four months. And we were, were, I think we both were like, this is never happening. Right. I was like, you know, I had to get cool with that. At least we had the experience, but yeah, then it aired in 2022. Yes. It was so exciting. Yeah. So, okay. I want you to tell us, let's talk about how this transpired and why you said yes, because this invitation to be on the show really started with you. Okay. So I wrote an article for HuffPo on critical race theory, or so I thought. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, what I was responding to at the time and from what I could really just, what happened was I didn't know what critical race theory was and I didn't know why everybody was so angry about it. So I did some research and found that what I discovered at that point, and this was summer of 2021, what I thought critical race theory was when I wrote the article was the work that I do in schools, mm. which is DEIJ work, um, mm. diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. And the mm. teachings of how Africans came to this country and then our history since we've been here. That was the impression I had about critical race theory. So I was like, of course, it should be taught in schools. That doesn't make any right. sense for to leave out a portion of a whole population of Americans in our right. schools. We must teach this in school. So I wrote an article about it. And, you know, HuffPost is really funny. Some of the articles go viral, some don't. This one happened to. And it was, it caught the attention of one of the producers at the Dr. Phil show, who I think it was a, you'll tell me because I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday. Yes. It when was they called Saturday when you, yeah, yeah you got the call on a, I remember this time frame. you okay. got a call on Saturday Yeah, and you live in LA. I Dr. live in Phil Los is, Angeles. Yeah. And it's filmed in LA. It's filmed here at the Paramount studios here. 
And so they called and said, we'd love for you to come on the show and talk about this subject. We loved your article, but the taping is Wednesday. And would you be willing to do that? And I have to admit, I had not watched the Dr. Phil show. (laughs) So, I mean, I know Dr. Phil, I knew him from Oprah. I know him from television. You know, he's been on quite a few shows, but I hadn't watched an episode of his show. So my impression of it was that it might be more, I want to say Jerry Springer-ish, but I don't know. There's probably a better word. Same. Yeah. I have the same, like, is this going to be Jerry Springer? Yeah. So I was just like, I wanted to do some more research, but they needed a yes or a no at that moment. Cause otherwise they needed to fill it with another guest. Cause they were talking about the subject. And so I asked them for an hour. I called a couple people, um, including my agent, my book, my literary agent, like, do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> and my editor at the Huffington post has been a guest on Dr. Phil. And so I asked her about her experience and both of them were like, yeah, do it. Why not? You know, you can, you're articulate, you'll stand your ground. I don't think that you'll come off looking badly. So I said, yes. And then they called right back. I mean, not right back, but probably an hour later and said, we'd like to have a white mom who is also pro CRT, critical race theory. Do you know of any? And the first person I thought of was you. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I do. But she lives in Seattle. I said, let me try to think of some people that live here. And I couldn't, (laughs) which is a sad commentary on my life. I guess (laughs) that I couldn't think of any other white moms that would be willing to, and actually it's not, it's not that I don't know a lot of white moms who are pro CRT, but moms that would be able to talk about it and Mm -hmm. defend it and, you know, assert it as something that was important. And that's a particular kind of person. And so I didn't know anybody who would be able to do that as well as you. And so when I said she's in Seattle, they said, can we get her phone number? (laughs) And so then you take over. Tell me what happened then. So they, you texted me on a Monday. I was in, I remember it very specifically because I was just finishing up this Monday call. I do every Monday with my membership community. And I get a text from you that's like, Hey, how are you? Any chance you want to do the Dr. Phil show with me? And I'm like falling out of my chair. Like what? So in my mind, I'm like, they must need like via zoom to like pop in and say something. And so I, I think I called you right away. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) So you told me kind of everything you just said, like what they needed, what they were looking for. And it was definitely like a heart racing moment. Like, I want to say yes to this. I feel very unqualified. I'm going to need to do some research on CRT because I feel like I know I want to defend it, but I also like really want to know my stuff if I'm going to defend it. And so you said they'll, the producers will call you. They're going to call you tonight. Right. And you can get more information. So I was like, okay, well then they never called that night. So I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and I'm like, well, they must've found someone else in LA. No big deal. And then at like 10 AM on Tuesday, my phone lights (laughs) up and it says, it says Dr. Phil in all caps. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like very tentatively answer. I'm like, hello. (laughs) Dr. Phil calling. (laughs) It was someone from the show, someone from the producer or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wanted to do an interview. They're like, can we interview? If you're interested in coming and talking about this, like, could you get on a plane today? And then can we do like a 15 minute interview with you right now? Just to see like, if we think you'd be a good fit. So they do the whole interview. It felt like a history test that I did not study for. Like they asked me like, all these questions about American history and like my opinion on them and like facts and stats. And I was like, I clearly failed the test. And at the end, the woman said, she goes, okay, thank you very much. We'll call you back in 15 minutes and let you know. And I was like, well, clearly by your flat affect, I did not make the cut. And they called back in like three minutes and they were like, can we book you a ticket? Wow. (laughs) It happened. And then all sorts of chaos ensued to get me on a plane because I had to get a COVID test. (laughs) Well, and you also had to shoot the video. Oh my God. Yeah. So they said, you need to go get a COVID test right now. And so I'm driving to get a COVID test and they call again. And they're like, also, before you get on this plane in a couple hours, mind you, I haven't flown in since COVID. So I'm like, it's like a whole nother layer of stress and chaos, but I'm looking, driving all over town. I have them on speakerphone. And the guy is like, when you get home, could you just really quick shoot us a series of videos? And he starts listing (laughs) off, like maybe one of them could be like you, like eating lunch. And then like another video of you, like sitting at your computer and another video of you playing with your kid. 
who my kid was not even home that day, like all of these things. And I finally was like, can you put this in an email? Like, I'm not going to remember all these videos. And also I have to be on a plane in like two hours and I can't get a COVID test. So he sends me this email and it was literally like 18 different things he wanted. And I completely free. I called back and I was like, I can't, I was like, I can do the COVID test or the videos. So he said, go home and do a video, which I did. And yes. then they great COVID video tested me. Too. Thank you. They COVID yeah. tested me when I landed in LA. So yeah, it was like, I didn't have time to really think about it. I did say to them though, is this going to be a Jerry Springer? I said, I'm hesitant because I know this is a heated topic. Yes. And the topic is too important to me for it to be trivialized. And like, I'm not in this for drama around it. And they were like, no, absolutely. We really want a well thought out, educated conversation on the topic. And I was like, okay, then I'm in. The other thing that I, reason I said yes was at first I was like, well, I don't want to take the spot of like black moms who want to talk about this. Like that seems more appropriate, but then they said, well, we can't really find any white moms who want to talk about it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which that it's, was really shocking to me too. Me too. Especially in this sea of blue that is Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to not be able to find a white mom who'd be willing. I mean, granted, this is short notice, blah, 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 blah. But still, yeah. it seemed like there would have been a bevy to choose from mm-hmm. people lining up to talk about this. Yeah. From your yeah. perspective. Yeah, it was that piece was really surprising. They yeah. had a teacher come on Taylor and she was they said the same thing to her. They were like, we can't find a teacher who will talk, who will be pro either or who is pro CRT. So it was just it was really interesting. But that kind of brings us to that definition around like people being pro and con, and we'll, which we'll dig into in a minute, because I think that the distinctions around the definition are really important. And yes. People's understanding of that before we kind of dig into what happened while we were there. Let's talk about behind the scenes because people might want to know. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your behind the scenes experience and if there were any surprises for you. Well, I got to say one of my favorite behind the scenes moments was you discovering that the wardrobe we walked back and forth in front of was the, this is us wardrobe and getting like trying to like sneak a selfie in front of Kate's rack. Yes. And then getting in trouble and then getting in trouble. Yeah. They're like telling us you can't, because that's the, this is us wardrobe. And we're like, why do you think we're taking the picture? Right. (laughs) We know, but you spotted it. I was just walking by. We had been walking by these racks of clothes all day long. We kept walking back and forth out of our green room. And I thought they were just clothes for like guests because they told us that they had a lot of wardrobe there if we needed options. Yes. And then all of a sudden I started noticing names on the racks and I was like, Kate. (laughs) And then I think I saw Rebecca and I was like, wait Uh a minute. And then we saw on the bathroom door, it said, this is us crew only or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is where they film. Yes. Is us. And this is like, (laughs) so we totally fangirled out over the wardrobe. Yes. Like touching Kate's dresses. (laughs) And it was a trip to do this during the pandemic because Mm -hmm. the masks and everybody's in masks and they're keeping us separate. And, but some people were close, like not everybody was six feet apart. We were put in a room together. We had both been COVID tested and tested negative. And supposedly the audience had as well. I don't think my dad was tested though. That's interesting. Mm. I'm pretty sure he I wasn't. I specifically asked to be in a room with you though, because I was like, I don't want to go down and be in a room with six people who I don't know if I don't know if they're vaccinated. Like right, I have a right. kid who I can't, who's not vaccinated. I'm not. So then they were like, if you know, I said, I know Laura's vaccinated. And they were like, we can put the two of you in a room together. Then. Yeah. And I was like, and okay, my dad cool. is triple vaxxed as well, yeah. but it was just interesting. I've been on TV sets before. I've never been on one during, during, like I said, mm. the pandemic and to see the precautions they were taking and everybody in masks up until the moment that we got on stage. Did we walk on stage with masks? Yeah. And then then they took them and then we couldn't get out of our seats until they, so we had to like stay on stage till they brought our mask back to us. Like I was impressed by kind of some of those layers of diligence I thought were good. I thought that the masks, because they had them in these little, really pretty boxes. Mm -hmm. I thought they were chocolates for us. (laughs) I was really excited. And I was like, oh, this is for, okay, never mind. But let's see what else, if I was surprised by anything else. Well, certainly what happened to us right before we went on stage, when we were waiting with the other, how they divided us from the the con people, 
con the yeah the against people the people that were against crt were divided from the people that were pro crt dr sean harper taylor i can't remember her last name i don't remember either and you and i was that it yeah it was the four of us and they put us in one area like a bun backstage behind this little curtain yeah and then i'm assuming the other four people were in their own right another one This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And then there was that that person that was yelling and cursing. Oh, yeah. That was crazy, right? We were divided by a curtain. Yeah, there was like crew people were having a fight that sounded like it was going to become a fist fight. Yeah, I was moving away. Like, (laughs) yes. So we had this curtain around us, right? And we're literally right next to the stage. You can hear the conversation between Dr. Phil and the people who are already out there, which I think at that time it was Dr. Sean Harper had already gone out. And we can hear crew members yelling at each other, like yelling, swearing, and like telling each other to like get, they're like, you need to get out now, like get the F out of here. Yeah. Like, it w- and I was like, this is going to go to blows. This is heated. Yeah. Yeah. And we kept like moving. Away. There wasn't really anywhere for us to move though. We were in this, like, it was like a closet size no. room, yes. <laughs> but like only divided by a curtain, you know, only put together, held by a curtain. Yeah. So it's like, if they start fighting, they're just going to rumble right through that curtain. <laughs> right. I was not happy about that. I was like, I want to get as far away from whatever this <laughs> rumpus is. I, I'm not a fighter. I want to get hurt. <laughs> And I think it had to do with our seating. 
So there was eight guests uh, yeah. and they were talking about seating. And so I think there was some sort of conflict around who was going to be sitting on stage because they didn't have room to get all eight of us on stage. No. So they yeah, got, that was weird. They got six of us on stage yeah. and then Taylor, the teacher, and then the writer. Oh my goodness. I have his name, James. Huh. They were seated in the like first two or three rows of the audience. Right. Because they didn't have enough room for eight chairs on stage. Yeah. It seemed like they had too many guests. Yeah. It was a yeah. lot of guests. It was a lot of guests, which is evidenced by the edit of yeah. the show. Cause of the show, what, how long did we tape? Do you remember? We taped for like, I want to say two hours and 20 minutes. Wow. And then yeah. they have to cut it down to 42. Yeah. Dr. Phil was exhausted like, Yeah. by the time Taylor and I got out because we came on near the end. Yeah. They, uh, Dr. Phil was like, uh, can we be done now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can just see it in his eyes. Just the last surprise I'll say from being on stage and listening to the opposition. Is it Derek? Was that his name? The black guy? Yeah. Derek. Is that it? Yep. I looked um, it up in advance okay. <laughs> this morning. Because I wanted to make sure we got names right. So yes. And I might misquote you, Derek. So if you're listening, forgive me, but he said something. Probably. He's probably probably not a shameless mom, (laughs) just in case. You never know. Right. (laughs) But he said something to the effect of he hasn't been affected by racism. He can go anywhere. Mm. He can do anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, my mouth is actually going to hit the floor. Like my jaw is dropping. And I couldn't believe that a black man in this day and age would say that he hadn't been impacted by racism Mm -hmm. and that he could go anywhere and do anything. And I'm sure you've seen the video of those two young eighth graders fighting in Bridgewater, New Jersey. And like, you know, the shoving starts and then they're on the ground and the white kids on top of the black kid and they pull the white kid off to get to the black kid to mm-hmm. handcuff him with their knees in their back. And the white kid takes a seat and up gets a pat yep. on the shoulder. Yeah. It's just, and I don't want to get into that, but it's just another example of the disparity. Mm-hmm. And as a fair skinned black woman, my treatment, the impact on me of racism has been lifelong and, mm-hmm. and consistent there has rarely been a period of time where I'm allowed to forget that I'm black in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when I'm in my house by myself for a while, but <laughs> otherwise, once I go out into the world, I am reminded. So yeah. I couldn't believe that he said that out loud. I think that was the most surprising thing to me. Although there were some shockingly, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the word I want to use is that's not like just ragging on them. I would say ignorant some shockingly ignorant statements made by the opposition as well, including the people who zoomed in, which we didn't have any pro CRT people zooming in, but we did have. Yeah. So what about you? Surprise. I'm going to start like more surface level and then I'll, cause I want to, your points around Eric or I totally agree. I was surprised we didn't have better food. (laughs) Right. So in the green room, like I've, I've heard about people being a guest, like, I don't know people who've been a guest on Ellen, but I've heard about like, when you're a guest on Ellen, you get like a gift basket and there's like a green room with like all these snacks. And I don't even know who I've heard this from, but like, I feel like I've heard about this. Like when you go on a talk show, you get like a little gift, like goodie bag. Yes. I was pretty excited about the goodie bag. (laughs) Yes. You want your swag. And we're going to, and we walk (laughs) in and we're like, we're going to be there all day. Like you're there at 8am until I think we were there from there's seven or 8am until 2pm or so. So we walk in and there's for each of us is like a sandwich that could have come from a mini mart in mm-hmm. a little plastic case and a bottle of water for each. of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I thought there'd be like craft services. <laughs> like, well, I'm like, shouldn't and there not, be a not to defend them, but I think because I know all my actor friends, there is no more craft services and it probably COVID. because of COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, they don't have that, but still. And then I also saw the same day. So of course I'm like following the Dr. Phil, like on social media and everything that day, just to kind of see what they're saying. And there, someone had shared like that they got a mug for being in the studio audience. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to get a Dr. Phil mug. We didn't get a mug. I'm like, we literally we got anything. Nothing. I was, nothing. Yes. Nothing. There was, I will say all of the crew were incredibly nice. Like yes. they could not have been nicer and they were so gracious which was really great because it was like a weird and uncomfortable and like such a fast paced experience. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, Oh, I thought I would get like a tote. (laughs) 
So that was a surprise. Yes. I love Definitely. that surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually meant to, I don't even think I ever told you that day, but I was like, don't we get something mm-hmm. <laughs> besides a thank you? My other surprise was definitely like finding out that this is us shared that space. Um, they, I think were off season, so we didn't see anyone, but I was just like looking for like, where's Mandy Moore. Like, yes. Right. Um, so that was definitely a surprise. And then I was also surprised we got no FaceTime with Dr. Phil. So people asked me like, what was it like to meet him? I never right. met him. Like yeah. you walk out to the stage and you were just inserted into a conversation that's already happening. And then when we were done filming, they turned off the cameras. Dr. Phil gets up and walks off and we have to sit there and wait for our masks. And so we literally, like, I never had a personal, like, hello, a handshake, which I would have understood not shaking hands in COVID, but like, there was nothing, there was no, like, Hey, come take a picture with him. There was literally no No, actual interaction with him, which that was, I was surprised about too, which I thought either could be COVID, which would make sense. Or like, he's at a place in his career where he can call all the shots and he can be like, I don't really want to talk to anyone more than unless we're recording. <laughs> and right. I have no idea which. I think um, um, just from, cause I was, you know, as a publicist for a while and I would mm-hmm. take people to talk shows, always the hosts would come and talk to them regardless of who they were beforehand. Yeah. I bet you this is part of COVID protocol. Yeah. It yeah. must be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that part. So people were like, well, what was it like to meet him? And was he nice? And yeah. I was like, maybe (laughs) I will say. So another surprise for me kind of getting into the content of the show. So I was kind of going into it prepared to have to be defensive um, because I thought that potentially we would be positioned in a way that we were going to have to really be defending why race education should be in schools at all, let alone CRT. Right. And Dr. Phil, I thought actually positioned it in a more pro CRT way than I expected. So I felt like we were walking onto the stage in a more favorable spot than I had expected. Maybe like, I thought maybe he would be neutral or maybe even a little anti-leaning. Yeah. And he, I felt like he was like even above neutral, like more on our side. And that was, and he had that whole little PowerPoint presentation oh, yeah. about yeah. the black people to pay attention to. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. should be included in our school's curriculum. Yeah. Like that impressed me. Cause I didn't mm-hmm. see that coming. No, me either. Um, I 100% agree with you on Derek and was also very shocked when he said he'd never experienced racism or oppression around race. What really stood out to me about what he said was he said, and I believe Keisha, one of the guests from Moms of Liberty, who was also opposed. So she's a black mom. She and him both brought up references around like, but look, we have President Obama and we have Oprah. Right. And I was blown away that that they would give like the only two examples of (laughs) like a a black woman billionaire in media is what I want to say, but Mm -hmm. like doing what Oprah does. And then one black president, like that's not a huge win. Like, yeah, it's a win, but it's not like we're good now. Well, yeah, Um, it doesn't mean we live in a post-racial society because these two people happen to have achieved these different statuses. Yeah. Right. So that piece was like, was shocking to me. The last thing I'll say about surprise is that Keisha and I were in the same room for hair and make or for makeup. And she was super nice. And I just assumed I'm like, she's a black mom. Obviously she's, we're on the same side yeah. and we didn't talk a whole lot. I will say anytime I was like, I don't want to ask her what side she's on. And I don't want, I'm, she probably assumes I'm anti and I'm sure she's pro. And so we just had this really like friendly conversation about like getting her makeup done. But then when we were all out on stage, I was like, Oh, we're on opposite sides and the opposite of what I thought. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And that was really shocking that, and it was a reinforcement of like black people are not a monolith. And so I'm assuming that any black mom is going to be on the same side as me thinking that race education should be in schools and that we should be really looking at like, what is CRT and how do we bring it into our schools in an appropriate way? And that was absolutely not her stance. And that was my surprise as well. I didn't get my hair and makeup done with her, but I saw her in the Mm -hmm. hallway And the other thing that I have to say is that I really did feel like we were being produced a little in the separation of us Mm. and how they kind of, they didn't say, you know, this is just going to be a conversation, blah, blah, blah. They like jump in. We want you to be energetic. We want you to, if you have a point to make, you know, make your point, don't wait for people to finish. Like they really, Mm. it felt to me like they wanted us, they wanted to be more of a a verbal brawl than it was, Mm -hmm. than it ended up being. And by keeping us separate and kind of keeping a mystery around Mm. what our positions were, I felt like that was part of the 
us being produced to come out and have this kind of, because there has to be some drama for it to be good TV. Right. 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 If we both get out there and we're like, oh yeah, I see your point. Oh yeah. I see your point. Then it's kind of, it's snoozy. Right. Yawn. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I felt like, you know, cause I watch a lot of reality TV and Same. <laughs> yeah. And you can see like how they've been produced, like, oh, let's get these two people together now and yeah. have them have a casual, I'm putting that in right. air quotes conversation when in actuality, you know, that these two people have some beef to work out. Right. Yeah. So they, so it's just, I was a little bit surprised by that, but I was really surprised that Keisha was anti and I would never as a black mom, Like, I don't know any black moms that are anti-critical race theory. I wouldn't have guessed that there were any. Yeah, it was super interesting. And just like another lesson for me as a white person to not make assumptions around everyone thinking the same thing, everyone being the same, everyone, you know? So yeah. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay. So I want to talk about takeaways from the conversation and I want to go to, so you gave some background on kind of what critical race theory is. I want to take this definition that I found online yeah, to kind of give people just a little bit more context as we dig more into the conversation that transpired on the show. Sure. So people have a clear sense of what it is, because this was really what a lot of the show was about. Like Mm -hmm. what is critical race theory actually? So critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. And it came from work in the late seventies, early eighties by legal scholars. And it's something that's taught at the college level. So this was actually a big part of the conversation that critical race theory is 
typically, or it, it started out, it is a college level curriculum that is taught in a really specific way to college students where they take a critical look and do critical analysis around race and how race is woven into systems and into like the way that society really operates. And then ultimately intentionally or not creates systems of oppression for black people. So the idea of it being taught in school is what we were talking about. Like, does that get taught in school? So go ahead and add to that, Laura. Yeah. I was just going to piggyback on that. I love that definition. And the other thing is that, you know, this is that critical race theory isn't something that can be taught. It's something that's studied because it's a theory. And part of the theory was, you know, Africans were brought here as slaves, 400 years of slavery, blah, 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 then Jim Crow, and then civil rights. And so we are looking at, are we looking at a system that is racist, right? Is this a systemically racist country? And if so, did changing the laws in, during the civil rights movement, the Voting Rights Act, the Brown versus the Board of Education, did those things eliminate or impact racism. And that's a big piece of what they study. Yeah. It's like you take, you have, you know, coloreds only, white only, you take those signs down, does racism go away? And so that's one of the things they're looking at. And you're absolutely right. It would never be studied in, you know, a K through 12 school. It's not anything that can be taught. And it's also something that's primarily studied. It is at the university level, but also primarily in law school. Mm-hmm. These are people who are studying the law to see if laws impact racism, basically. Right. None of that I knew before we went on the show. <laughs> None of that. So what's, yeah. It's funny because I didn't share earlier, but I was literally like on the plane, like research, like Googling yes. researching, like on my way to the hotel in the car that they sent for me, like Googling. I mean, like literally from the time I said yes to the time I like got on stage, I was like, oh my God, I need to know as much as I possibly can because it seemed like a heavy responsibility to get out there and talk about this. And I I wanted to do it justice. And the more I dug into it, the more I was like, this is not being taught. Like no kindergartners are like analyzing critical race theory. Right. But when we got on stage, the moms of Liberty, who the three moms, Tiffany, Amy, and Keisha, they were like, yeah, yep. Being taught in kindergarten. I mean, they were very much like critical race is absolutely being taught in elementary schools. Right. (laughs) Like this is I don't even know that I can participate in this conversation because it's not like they're not while they're learning their ABCs also talking about like legal systems around race, right? (laughs) It's just not (laughs) happening. So at times it felt like we were having really different, like we weren't all even in the same conversation. Yeah. And there wasn't room to clarify that the idea of critical race theory being taught in school is been so like incorrect or so misconstrued. Yes. And so I think my position was not about critical race theory as the actual thing being taught in schools, as much as like race education needs to be taught in school, like history needs to be taught in an accurate way and not eliminating pieces of our history that make white people look bad or that, you know, that ignore actual things that happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two things. Uh, Steve Bannon kind of famously wrote that the path to the White House is through the school boards. Mm. And so the idea being thrown around by several people, several scholars, academics who are studying this, politicians, journalists, is that CRT was introduced at the school board level to divide people and incite and activate the conservative base. Mm. So, yeah, they know it's not critical race theory, but if they call it that, it's like, you know, lighting a stick of dynamite. And people will fall, you know, really heavily on one side or another. You divide the school board, you incite the base, and then there's your path to the White House. Mm. So I thought that was really I did not know that piece. Yeah. And Isn't that's that crazy. Yeah. I mean, and then, and disgusting. Yeah. And then in the New York Times, the Sunday New York Times this past week, there is an article about all these teachers who are losing their jobs for teaching anything that falls under the umbrella of race. And there's this really specific definition that one of the governors, I think it's New Hampshire gave, which is basically, and it, it says this, and I wish I brought it with me. It's, it's in the other room, but it says you can't teach anything that's going to make the students feel uncomfortable. He's like, you can teach about race. You can talk about race and civil rights on site, but anything that makes the children feel uncomfortable, you can't talk about. And, you know, what's not being said there is white children. 
mm-hmm. right? You can't make right. white children feel uncomfortable. And so that line that needs to be walked by our teachers now, because of this big, it's not just a misunderstanding because it's intentional, like someone right. intentionally, this propaganda, I guess, that's been accepted so widely by mm-hmm. so many Americans as truth, as facts, right? And because of that now, teachers are afraid to lose their jobs. So yeah. do they teach about racism and teach race, you know, race-based history? Or do they, you know, stick to subjects that don't make the students uncomfortable and keep their jobs? And that's what it's coming down to. It was three pages in the New York Sunday Times. What's interesting about that, that was actually set on stage that was illuminating to me was, I believe Keisha said it, and I don't remember who, and I think it was backed up by Tiffany and Amy, the moms of Liberty, but <laughs> I'm the, sorry, every time you which say I, that, like, roll my eyes every time I say it, <laughs> but, um, so, and they very, I think Tiffany's maybe the founder of moms of Liberty. She like founded so. this yeah. organization. Yes. The moms of Liberty who don't want to talk about race in school. <laughs> so what Keisha said, which made sense to me, and this was actually one of my like takeaways and, and uh, kind of a surprise, but also a takeaway that there was actually some places where there was alignment where I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things she said was, I don't want my children being taught that they're oppressed. Like that does not that's racism to tell my black kids that they're oppressed people in society. And I was like, yeah, I don't want your black kids being taught that they're oppressed either. Like Mm -hmm. that's not helpful. And then the white argument is I don't want my white kids being taught that they are oppressors. And so what was interesting to me is this assumption. I think it's an assumption that race education is being taught in a way that would in a classroom come across that like, Hey, white kids in the class, you are already born as an, you are an oppressor innately by birth. Mm -hmm. You are all oppressors and black kids in here. You are all being oppressed already. Like, I just don't think that's the way that it's anything race is being taught. Like I could be wrong. It's certainly not the way it's taught in my kid's school. And so like that piece was really surprising to me because yeah, I don't want that it being taught that way either. I think there's a way to look at history in a way that doesn't set our children up to already be looking at themselves as either oppressor or oppressee. Yeah. I think that any educational institution that would teach that would be setting it up to fail. It would almost seem intentional, right? Right. Right. Like if we're going to teach you this, that you're oppressed and that you're the oppressor, which means that no one is going to allow this. So then we're just going to scrub all teachings about racism and race education, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to scrap it because we tried you know, mm-hmm. we tried and I heard, you know, some really horrifying things about like reenactments in a way that made these, you know, five-year-old white children act out being the oppressors mm-hmm. and the five-year-old black children act out being oppressed, which would be completely inappropriate, like you said, and, right. and damaging, quite right. frankly. Absolutely. But I have not, I mean, I heard them talk about it. I haven't really heard of anything like that happening in anybody's school that I know. Right. Um, I and this is where yeah. I feel like it got a little dicey because I'm. They are like, this is happening. And I'm like, can you tell me the school? Like, which school at yeah. what time of day? Yeah. Because it seemed like it didn't seem real to me. And when Amy no. was so insistent, critical race theory is absolutely being taught. And I'm like, okay, but where? <laughs> right. And it's like, and it's not something that can be taught. <laughs> right. 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 I just think yeah, it was that part was really in interesting to me. Um, it was frustrating. It was so frustrating. It was frustrating because we couldn't talk about the real issue. Right. Right. So the real issue is not critical race theory and where it's being taught and how, because it's a non-issue right. for most of America. Right. Right. The logistics around how critical race theory is being studied will impact almost none of us realistically on a day to day, but yeah. race education, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work is now being swept in with this, you know, this theory that studied at a very, very, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, Sarah? It's, it's a very small portion of the population that's ever going to study this, but this, all of the work that I do and that others like me do is now being swept up with that, but you know, they are lumping it all in together so that they can get rid of it basically and say, and condemn it 
under that turning umbrella. It into something it's really undermining because it's being turned into something that it's not, it's a whole false narrative. I mean, it feels like this whole creation of a false narrative yes. so that to put people in a position of like, oh my God, we would never want that in schools. Like, right. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the thing that's actually in schools. Like, right. so the com- we don't even need to have the conversation. <laughs> but then, you know, and that's why Steve Bannon, whatever he else he is, that's a brilliant thing to do. Yeah. You know, is to basically place something in the hopper that mm-hmm, like that incites pe- a movement, incites a movement and creates a sure path to the White House for conservatives. Yep. I'm sure there will be more and you'll and we'll watch you and I will watch mm-hmm. what else is brought to school boards that yep. further divides the country. And, you know, I'm sure if we you know pulled at those threads, it would be the same type of thing. But nobody's going to because all they hear are certain two or three buzzwords and they're off and running. Yes. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Very much like masks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's two or three buzzwords, a couple headlines on Fox News, and then they're like, yes. "We got all we need. We know." Do you think the conversation resolved anything for people watching in the audience? Well, you know that poll he did on mm-hmm. the iPads at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Unless they were lying. It was like, you know, was it like 25% thought they understood what CRT was at the beginning? Yeah. And then it's, it was in the sixties. Yeah. So it, sh- it like flipped. So it seemed like the audience had a better understanding. Yeah. I felt like it was just kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah. I guess I felt like from my own perspective, like I had a better understanding of a whole lot of things. I didn't feel like for people watching, if they came in knowing little to nothing that they would leave being like, now I know where I stand on this or how to speak about it intelligently. Right. Right. I felt like it was kind of a disaster of a conversation that like people could be like, yeah, I know more. Right. Or I know something, but I don't know that people walked away being able to say like, here's how I could go talk to my school about this, or here's how I could talk about this in my community in a way that's actually productive yeah. or supportive. And that piece was a little disappointing to me. And I think it was just like, there wasn't time for that, that we didn't like, there wasn't time to actually get to consensus. And maybe we would have never gotten to consensus anyways. Right. But I do feel like something you alluded to earlier. I feel like we kind of got on the same page with what was the white mom's name? I forgot her name, Amy, Amy Mm -hmm. and Keisha. I feel like, and maybe even Derek too, that race should be studied Mm -hmm. in the classroom but not in this incendiary way yeah. where it makes people feel bad about themselves. Right. right. And that's still dicey for me. Like, I think somebody is going to feel bad. They shouldn't feel I mean, bad that's about so themselves. Subjective. You yeah. can't control. Yeah. But I do think it's really important. And you made this point for especially young white men to be aware of the impact that their ancestors had on young or just black people or minorities, marginalized mm-hmm. people, period, mm-hmm. in this country and how they can do better. Yeah. Not that they're doing anything wrong at ages five, six, and seven, but historically, this is right. what's been done. These are the acts that have been perpetrated against these different people, including women. Mm-hmm. And this is how we could do better in the future. Yeah. And I said this in, the, in my package in the beginning, I think Germany does that really well with the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You know, it's studied there. People go to the camps, they pack a suitcase, imagining if they only had, you know, 20 minutes to leave everything and go hide somewhere for years and they right. experience it. And then they, well, yeah, I mean, there's this whole neo-Nazi movement <laughs> rising there, now, but, but, but there is acceptance of universal truths that I think yes. there's not acceptance of universal truths here. Thank you. It's so true. Yeah. So I do think it was a mess, but I do think that we all agreed that race education should be studied in school. We could not agree on CRT because we had very different definitions of it. Right. Oh my goodness. So many good things in here. I want to talk about this for like a whole nother hour. Um, don't worry. I'm not going to keep you since I have another interview in just a minute. So, oh, oh, this was so good. Laura, is there anything else you want to leave people with before I brag about your show for a minute? Oh my goodness. I just think that for me going on the show was an exciting and scary proposition, but with you there by my side as my friend and my ally, I was not nervous, not one little bit the whole time. And so I just want to say how much I appreciate you saying yes, shooting the video, getting the COVID test and coming down to be in the green room with me and be there because I was really, I was scared. 
mm. of how it might turn out. And the moment I saw your face, all the fear went away. And so, you know, it's that thing where you might, I might look at you across the room without knowing you and you would be the unexpected ally, right? I would make an assessment of the way you look and maybe that you're from the Pacific Northwest and decide, okay, you belong in this category. You and I aren't going to align on all these things. And like you said, um, black people on a monolith and neither are white people. Mm -hmm. I think that's more widely accepted, but I have, you know, a way of assessing people that would have put you in a different category. And boy, you just turned out to be one of my best and strongest allies. And I so appreciate you. Oh my goodness. You make me cry here. I feel like I felt the same. Cause I was like, I could get eaten alive in this conversation. And I was like, but I know Laura will hold my hand. If I, do. <laughs> so I felt no. a lot of that too. Oh my yeah. goodness. And I'm so grateful for the invitation and just the massive amount of trust that you placed in inviting me to join you. It was like such a great life experience for so many reasons. So I'm so yeah. grateful. We had so much fun. Oh my gosh. So much yeah. fun. And I still, your dad. <laughs> oh my dad, Dr. Ronald Cathcart 80, turns 82 next week. So shout oh, out to I him. Love him. That was so fun. <laughs> oh, Laura. Okay. Thank you for being here and having this conversation. It was really fun and really, it was actually really enlightening too, to relive a lot of that experience with you. You have a podcast, the only one in the room, and it is so good. And yeah. it's all everyone's only one stories. And so it started with your only one story of being the only black woman in the room at a writing conference for 600 writers a few years ago. And since then you've had so many people come on the show and share their only one stories. And every week you have guests come on to say, I was the only one in this certain situation. And I love your show. I'm such a huge fan of it. Can you tell people anything you want to say about the show and then where they can find you, find the show, stalk you online and all that stuff? Yes. And I will just say that we've had one guest at least twice who's absolutely incredible. That would be you. So you have to <laughs> check out Sarah Dean's episode. Like, oh, I'll go listen. <laughs> but yeah, it's the only one in the room. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I am the host creator. I host it along with my boyfriend, producer and co-host Scott Slaughter, who I call Hun. And he's my partner in that and my partner in life. And it's, we are a storytelling podcast. People come on and tell their stories. We're not a how-to, we're not a business profile. People come on and tell their stories of feeling like they're the only one in the room in order that less people can feel like the only one in the room. Because once they hear that person's story, there's connection. So thank you for that shout out. I'm at Laura Cathcart Robbins on Instagram. Cathcart is C-A-T-H-C-A-R-T. Robbins is with two Bs and an S. And Laura's standard spelling. And then the only one in the room on Instagram, we're just about to hear hit 30,000 followers. So excited. We're so beating me. Oh my, sorry. (laughs) We're at 29, like four or something. So please follow. So, cause when we hit 30, I bought a Farrah Fawcett wig for me and a seventies porn star wig for Scotty. (laughs) And we're going to do a happy dance for IG. I cannot wait. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. This was so fantastic. I adore you. And you'll be my next guest to hit four times (laughs) when you come back. Yes. When you come back for your book, which we didn't even talk about, but you'll be back on talking about the book. Stash 2023, Simon & Schuster. (laughs) Oh, cannot wait. Okay, Laura. I love you and I'll talk to you soon. Love you too. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.